Welcome to Auckland Conversations, ideas for becoming the world's most livable city. Just to note that um, in the Māori calendar today, it's uh, Oturu Rākau Nui, uh, Rākau uh, Matohi Day, High Energy Days, um, good day for <coughs> gathering for special occasions. And being in the, the new Māori New Year, um, it's also good just to reflect on where we've been there the last last year and we were going through <coughs> two in terms of our uh, new conversations for this year. So we welcome you here tonight. Uh, to start off, um, I'll do a karakia that talks about uh, what we're experiencing right outside here. The cold, the wind, the wet, um, the winds that are blowing onto the lands, the winds that are blowing onto the seas, uh, the new days and the glimpse, glimpse of a new day through the dawn, uh, which gives us a glimpse of the day ahead. Today, um, well, tomorrow we hope it's another glorious day, and so that'll be our karakia for this evening. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. And then uh, a short me to us all gathered here again this, this evening. Your part again, when you hear the words tuturu o whitifokamaua kia tina, your response is tina. Okay, so let's have a practice as we do. Tuturu o whitifokamaua kia tina. Very good, very good. We've learnt over the past year. So looking back, we haven't done too bad on the karakia. So here we go. Kainui Tato, let's uh, give thanks. Whakatakate hau ki te uru, whakatakate hau ki te tonga, ki a mā kina kina ki uta, ki a mā kina kina ki tai. E hi ake ana te atakura, he tio, he huka, he hauhu. Tuturu o fiti whakamaua ki a tina. Haumia huie. That karakia actually means whatever winds blow our way, whatever season we're going through, whether it be a cold, dry, wet season, whatever the winds, tomorrow is always going to be a glorious day for each and every one of us. So that was our prayer this evening. We're a blessing on our time. No reira inga mana inga reo, katima tau pienei. Kia hiwara, kia hiwara. Kia hiwara ki tenei tuku, kia hiwara ki tērā tuku. Kia tū, kia oho, kia matāra, tihei mauriura. Te mea tuatahi, māku ka mihi tonu, ki te kaihanga o te rangi o te whenua, ko hia te timatanga me te haka o tinga o ngā mea katoa. Nō reira, ka huri anō ki tō tātou nei kingi Māori kingi tūheitia, ka noho ana ia i runga te ahurewa tapu o ngā mātua, o ngā tūpuna, ngā ka mihi tonu ki te kāhui āriki, miki rire, rire hau, pai mārire. Ka huri anō ki a rātou kua whetirangitia, rātou e piata āta mai i runga te rangi, rātou o te kāhui wairua, Kua huri tuara mai ki a mātau, kua haere ki tērā kai ngā tūturu mō tau nei te tangata ki Hawaii ki nui, Hawaii ki roa, 
Hawaii Pama Mau. O Kioki wrote the Ringa Kaho Chatua. Nana Ihoma, Nana Itango Fakamuimitia. Aihoa, Ingawakato. Norera Kotoma Natangatamai Nahoefa. Atene to Mihikia Koto. Kotama Koto Kita Hakarongo. Kita Korero, Tamaki Makaura. Tamaki Hiringa Waka. Tamaki Hiringa Tangata. Norera Tene to Mihikia Koto. Haramai. Greetings uh, to us all as we gather here um, in another Auckland conversation. I welcome you here to this place, Tamaki Makoto, Tamaki, the place where people love to be. Tamaki Heringa Waka, Tamaki, the place where the Waka landed. Tamaki Heringa Tangata. One thing about Matariki, two things that I bring to you. Matariki, ahunga nui. Matariki brings people together. Matariki, whiria te tangata. Matariki, a time where it weaves people together. And so again, we come to this conversation uh, this evening. We reflect, we are reminded of all of those who have passed in the year, uh, those who are twinkling stars in the night sky. Uh, those who have turned out their backs on us and gone to that place that we call Hawaii Nui, that place over there. Hawaii Roa, that place a bit further over there. Hawaii Pamamao, Hawaii way, way beyond the horizon. And so we are reminded of them and their passing. May they rest in peace. But to you, the living that have arrived this evening, to listen to the different conversations, we welcome you. Especially to our keynote speakers that are here tonight, we welcome you once. We welcome you twice. We welcome you three times. Noreira inga mana, inga reo, rauranga tirama, hurino, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā tātakatoa. No pressure, I'm just going to leave the waiata for the girls who are going to sing a bit later, so. Or even their mother who's sitting in the second row. I hear she's a bit of a singer. So they will sing a song for you later, later on today. Noreira, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, a kia ora tātou katoa. Kia ora, Otene. I saw Otene at the New Zealand Institute of Architecture Awards and I took my gorgeous wife and we saw beautiful architecture that night. We saw uh, museums and lovely houses and uh, beautiful creations by the best architectures, um, architects in the country. And at the end of the evening we were walking home and I said to her, hey, uh, what, what was the best part about that evening? And she said, oh, I just really loved, I was really moved by that welcome by Otene. And I said, actually, that's true. It's such a, a poetic start to the evening. And I think that's, um, that's really fitting for today. It's great today. It's such good um, energy for our conversation tonight. Uh, there is one correction, Otene. You said um, that this was another Auckland Conversations. Uh, this is the best Auckland Conversations. 
uh, we're going to outdo every other Auckland conversation on all of the um, all of the metrics. Uh, ina mana, ina reo, e rau rangatirama, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. Good evening everyone, I'm Andrew Eagles, Chief Executive of the Green Building Council of New Zealand, and I'll be facilitating the conversation with you, with the panellists tonight. So I've just got some small matters to get through before we start hearing uh, questions in that conversation. We're really um, proud Auckland Council to be providing a night to inspire and stimulate your thinking about the challenges facing Auckland. And I, I've lived in quite a few different cities. I think it's really special that these evenings are held. Tonight we'll welcome a panel of experts to discuss why density is so important in designing and planning a sustainable future for Auckland. And today, really importantly, we're also launching the Auckland Climate Action Framework. You hear more about that um, throughout the evening. So thank you for joining us. Again, it looks like it's almost sold out, so that's a fantastic turnout. Obviously, there's real interest in the subject. We also welcome those of you joining online uh, who are watching Auckland Conversations through the website. So first, a few housekeeping matters. In the unlikely event of an emergency, an alarm will sound and will be directed out of the building by our ushers. Bathrooms are located outside the room through the foyer where you might have had a drink or something to eat. Uh, and in the likely event of an awesome statement, I would ask you to uh, give a round of applause to the panellists uh, and, and to support that. I will, um, just to encourage you, I'll be holding up a sign now and then to suggest applause. That will be... Thank you for that demonstration, John. So that will be to someone who I think um, deserves applause. I think we use the word awesome too much, so I'm on a campaign to change, when we say the word awesome, to change it to say, Kane Williamson. Um, and as part of that, I'd like you to support me by when I put up the sign, Kane Williamson, I'd like a round of applause. Great, so we'll try, we'll try again, we'll see who's quick on the uptake. Great. Awesome, thank you. I didn't know if that would work. Um, and finally, could you please turn your mobiles to silent, not off, because we'd like um, those who want to, to be able to tweet and ask questions via Slido. I'll give you um, a demonstration of that uh, in a moment. But right now, I would really like to um, thank our um, sponsors, uh, and our Auckland partners for, for tonight, South Base Construction, our design partner, Razine, and all of our program sponsors. Thank you for your support. This can't happen um, without you. So just um, what's the agenda tonight? Well, it's really special because there's no um, big um, speaking slot first. We're getting straight into the conversation after a little bit of an intro from, from me. So the, the format for the panel tonight is questions from the floor uh, and online. So just on Slido, we'll be using Slido, which is an interactive question and answer tool for your questions. So if you have a smartphone, we encourage you to visit www.slido.com, so S-L-I-D-O.com, and enter the event code density. There was silence in the room. And ask your question. Yes, that's D-E-N-S-I-T-Y, um, if that was an issue. <laughs> we, 
We will get through as many of these as we can, but importantly, I'll be taking questions from you raising your hand as well. So there'll be hands, um, there'll be Slido, um, there'll be things thrown, all sorts of things. So um, we'll be doing both. If you're not comfortable with smartphones, you can raise your hand. Please remember to make the question a question. So if it's a statement, um, that it's hard for the panellists to actually leverage off that. Um, so, so I will remind you of that. We always try really hard to ensure that Auckland Conversations are, um, are accessible and inclusive. Um, so on-demand viewing of the event, event with full transcript and captioning of the event and presentations will be available on Auckland Conversations website in the next few days. Now, on to tonight's conversation. Well, first of all, does all that make sense? Yes. Yep. Okay, great. Um, everyone's into their phones. Uh, on to tonight's conversation. So two really important things are happening today. First of all, just to touch on this, because it's um, a pretty amazing step from the um, Sustainability Office uh, team of Auckland Council, the Auckland Climate Action Framework has been launched. Hurrah! Yeah, and it, and it does deserve, it does deserve a bit of whooping. Um, that has taken a mere 18 months worth of work, a huge amount of feedback, a three-day conference, um, Cities 40, which is a collaboration of the 40 leading cities in the world have fed in, mana whenua have fed in, government, many of you have had a say. It sets a vision for dramatic change for our city, uh, and there are 11 key moves for change in that. Um, so those aren't dance moves, they're fundamental changes to how we run our city. So I really, really encourage you to have a look at that and, and feedback. You've got until the, the 6th of September and I think it's a really impressive um, piece of work. So thank you for everything that John, Alec and all of the team have done there and everybody who's fed in so far. Um, now I will just um, touch on that uh, briefly with Slido. So in Slido you can ask questions but there's also a key question for you to answer that we'd like everyone to answer. Uh, it's up there on the screen. It will be there throughout. It is, let me find that. So science says we need to cut carbon emissions by half by 2030. Do you believe we need to do this for Auckland's future? The options are yes, no, I don't know, or maybe go faster. Um, I'm just adding that one, and that, that one, and you can't actually answer that. Apologies. So, so do answer that. We'll also have a raising of hands in relation to that. The second key thing we want to discuss tonight is density. So why is density so important in designing and planning a sustainable future for Auckland? Well, global growth is um, really driving growth in Auckland. People are flocking to Tamaki Makaurau to live and work, and Auckland's current population is projected to grow by 1 million people within the next 30 years. Really significant growth. This unprecedented growth is putting pressure on our communities, our housing, our transport infrastructure, as well as our environment. The quality of life enjoyed by Auckland's future generations will depend on the way we plan and design and build our city. The Auckland Plan 2050 sets the high-level direction for the future of Auckland with an emphasis on developing a quality, compact city. So I thought, in the build-up to this, I thought, um, with some help of a brilliant um, co
colleague Alejandro, I put together, I looked at some figures quickly to just compare where Auckland was relative to other cities. It's quite startling. So Auckland, New Zealand has 1,210 people per square kilometre. Do you think that's more or less than Philadelphia and Stockholm? More, put your hand up. Less, put your hand up. Yeah, exactly. So the differences are quite stark. Philadelphia and Stockholm, 4,800 people per square kilometre for about 1.5 million people. Vienna, 5,700 people per square kilometre. Brussels and London, they go uh, similar to Vienna, about 5,500 people per square kilometre. And historic cities like Barcelona, 16,000 people per square kilometre for 1.6 million people. I mean, what? Far out. I don't know. Yeah, that's quite something. So just, just we've been thinking about density a little bit. So some positives, right? It um, increases health because people spend less time in their cars, and that, that's really beneficial. There's actually a really strong study showing that reducing your commuting time reduces the likelihood of divorce, which is positive. Uh, some people might argue it's something else, but it arguably increases the ability of councils to provide community infrastructure, libraries, sports centres. It makes better public transport easier. Anyone who's been to London knows that. Auckland's growing at 750 people per week. We need to get people around. Reduces transport emissions. It leaves more urban space, uh, more rural space um, for, the, for the growing of our food, which is important for south of Auckland. It lowers infrastructure costs. But there are challenges, so we might not have as much green space per home. That's something we need to get used to. We need to think about noise uh, in between our neighbours and, and getting that right. We need to design well. And we need to think really deeply about things like surface water runoff and, and other challenges we face, especially as our climate changes. So density needs to be done well. Uh, there's a loss of private amenity, but it could be made up by community amenity and it needs to be planned. Transport needs to be decent. Homes need to be quality. But I think what's really impressive, and you'll hear from John and Penny and others about some of these matters, is we are, we are going in the right direction. So I know, for instance, that since the unitary plan, there's been a 20% growth in the um, units of housing provided in the terraced and apartment building zones since the unitary plan. And this is, this is really positive, a move in the right direction. So there's lots to discuss in there, and I look forward to, to your thoughts. At the New Zealand Green Building Council, we champion density through the tools Homestar and Greenstar and Greenstar communities, but we think we've really got to get it right. So I'm really delighted to welcome to the panel, uh, up onto the stage, some, some pretty key people to talk to you about their thoughts. So first up, I'd like you to welcome with um, some great I'd like to welcome John Duguid, General Manager, Plans and Places, Auckland Council. John has spent 20 years uh, with the Council and has a really intimate knowledge of the unitary plan and the changes going on, so he's a great person to have on the panel. Somebody I've worked with a bit and I just know has um, really great stuff to impart and it always lends um, great input. Uh, Pamela Bell, founder and former Chief Executive, Prefab New Zealand. Uh, 
And so I, I went to speak at the Environment uh, Committee a while ago, and I was actually pretty nervous. Uh, there were people like um, the councillor Penny Hulse on the committee, and I saw these two young women stand up and speak, and I, and I thought, far out, man, who are they? They're polished, they're really on message, they're really professional, and I'm really delighted to welcome both of you up onto the stage at the same time. So Pia Kahui McConnell and Waiata Ramaka Tupe, both are from... Both are from Paha Koi Ki Tamaki, um, and they help educate rangatahi on the impacts of plastic waste. And um, it's great to have them here to represent um, rangatahi and how we can get a really inclusive city. So thanks for coming along. Finally, I'm really delighted to welcome uh, somebody you should all know, Councillor Penny Hulse, um, a legend. <laughs> So Councillor Hulse, I didn't even need to hold up the Kane Williamson sign, it was just immediate applause. Um, so just with Penny Hulse, I mean obviously you all know Penny, but I, what I noted is I've said I was seeing Penny Hulse times before, and each time I've said it, somebody has cut in, right, cut in and said, oh she's good, she's good, like this. Um, so I think um, it's great to have the panel um, here. Um, so there they are. We're going to start um, the conversation with you all. I'll, I'll start uh, with you, John, coming this way, and just start with a really simple question about a time where you, um, you were in a place that had really good design, the density was good, what it was like, and, and what was special about it. Thanks, Andrew. You've slightly modified the question there, but <laughs> with the really good design. But um, I, I grew up in the, I guess, mid... 1970s, early 80s, in the UK, in a, a council housing estate. And um, I grew up in a row of about a dozen terrace houses. I think it's probably about a 90 square metre, two storey, three bedroom terrace home. And all the houses around there were like that. Some of you might think Coronation Street, but it was a fantastic place to grow up. And I guess some of that stayed with me. Um, I live in a detached house now, but <laughs> at that time uh, we had parks easy walking to the school, um, we knew all the kids in the neighbourhood, there were no big fences on your front boundary and on your rear blocking everyone out, you could see everyone, socialise with everyone, it was just a great, great way to grow up. Brilliant. So we've probably lost a lot of that. Mm. Yeah. So let's talk tonight how we could get some of that, some of that back. And, and Pam, did you want to touch on that? Sure, on my um, personal story around density, Look, like many of you, I've travelled to Europe and I love going to places like Stockholm and Scandinavia where people will just lie out in public spaces on deck chairs and um, live their lives communally. I think there's um, great um, things we can learn about uh, reducing our very British inhibitions. Um, but my personal experience is I live in a medium density dwelling, if you like, a block of eight apartments. and. Um, I do live in Wellington, but I can empathise. Um, so my block has a shared backyard uh, in Mount Victoria, a city fringe suburb, and if I was to own a backyard like that, it would cost millions of dollars. We have a shared laundry, so I get to interface with the other people who live in the building. We've been living in a 70 square metre apartment, two bedrooms, with my two daughters, nine and 12, as a family of four for over a decade. 
and it has been fantastic. There is nothing I would want, I don't need to uh, do maintenance. I have always lived in these kind of low-rise, medium-density spaces because I come from architecture and I'm very interested in the way we live. But um, I would say what is most interesting is that this building was designed and built in 1929. It was an Austrian architect. But the message here is that these are not new concepts. They're ones that we have been doing very well and very successfully in many parts of the country, in many parts of Auckland, and we just need to revisit the lessons that are working well. Brilliant. Thank you. And Pierre Waiata, did you want to reflect on a, on a place that's special for you? Uh, kia ora. Um, firstly, ki te tāho tuku māma no Ngāti Manipoto, ki te tāho tuku pāpa no Ngāti Pirau, ko pēni na kāhoi makano tuku ingoa. Uh, kia ora whanau, my name is Pia, I am one of the environmental youth leaders for Paragoriki Tāmaki um, and I just wanted to start properly with our um, PPR. So yeah, um, my density story is I grew up in Waterview, um, we had a cul-de-sac outside of our house and we knew all the neighbours, um, we had the Samoans next door, we had the old lady that was really mean and she took our, our balls every time they went over the fence and um, the whole neighbourhood knew that if the ball went over the fence we weren't getting it back. Um, so yeah, I, I had community around me 24-7, um, we had a massive backyard, I had a trampoline and a Fijo tree, so um, yeah, I had a beautiful density story, I guess. Kia ora. Kia ora. Uh, kia ora mai tātou katoa, he uri tēnei no apui no te aroa anō hoki, ara ka noho nei au ki roto uh, kei wainga noi uh, ki Tamaki Makaurau. I am a descendant from the north and the south, but I live in the middle in Tamaki Makoto. Um, and my density story is it's quite simple, honestly. I didn't I didn't know what density was. Um, <laughs> I used to just play. We would um, I lived in Green Bay and we had a hub of I knew where all my friends lived. And because I knew that my community was safe, I was able to walk through and we could play, um, we could go to Green Bay High School, we could go to Green Bay Primary and we would just be friends. And I didn't, I, it was people that I didn't have any connection to other than they were neighbours, they were my neighbours and I was safe. And one time I remember that I got hurt and um, someone else's mum came out of her house and she helped me. And I remember that there was a community feel to my childhood that really, really stuck with me. So, um, yeah. Kia ora. Thanks a lot. Uh, hey, guys, come on. I, I am going to be scoring you guys, okay? I want you to know that. Penny. Oh, kia ora. I'm still getting over the cricket references. I'm still realising I'm <laughs> processing a bit of grief. Um, but. Density for me, I was lucky enough to have six months um, when we sold our, our big five acres in Swanson and we moved into town, into Ponsonby, and rented a flat for six months. Actually, we were in Yorohi, wonderful Pipakum, soon to be the councillor for Waitamata, just saying. Um, and the, <laughs> yeah, I think, that, I think you can cane Williamson that. 
But the, the six months living in an apartment, I loved. I could walk up to SPQR, I could walk to work, right in the middle of Ponsonby, I just loved it. But it really taught me that density has to be lived in when it's right for the time in your life. It was right for me, it was not right for my fishing, ute driving West Auckland husband. So we're back in, in Te Aratu Peninsula, which we love. But it just proves that you need the right time, right place, right choices. Brilliant. Kia ora. Thank you. Um, so John, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, you know, the low density suburbs. Do, do you believe it's, it's possible to retrofit Auckland's low density suburbs with medium to high density housing? And uh, is it possible to do it well? And if so, what are some of the challenges? It is a challenge, but it is possible, um, in short. Um, but I, I think as we know, um, we're not London, we're not Barcelona, we're not Copenhagen, mm. Stockholm. If you think about it, we don't have many suburbs that are, have those gridded streets. We've got hilly topography, lots of cul-de-sacs, lots of long meandering roads, um, and lots of spaces between houses so, and low density. So it's a challenge to accommodate um, medium density or terraced housing, apartment type developments in that kind of um, that kind of layout. But it's, it's not impossible. Um, it just does present challenges that you you don't find with some other cities that are much denser, that were originally laid out with, with, with that sort of density, with the sort of um, places that uh, Pamela talked about. So, but it can be done, and we're certainly looking to, well, we've allowed it to be done in Auckland through a very high-profile exercise that, um, that Penny House and Penny House led, along with uh, Penny Pert here and many others, but it was a huge exercise, and it was really important for Auckland to um, create those opportunities for different types of housing and yes there are there are some pain and some challenges and we're we're not saying at council we've got the rules perfect we're, we're looking at the rules now again just fine-tuning some of them in some cases we're not really seeing as much density as we probably should be seeing around transport hubs and town centers and so on so we're looking at why that might be and in other places we are seeing some density and and the design isn't great so we're looking at what more why is that happening what more can be done to um, improve the, the quality of some of the, the housing that's going in at those higher densities. Um, it does present design challenges, so I think we're fooling ourselves, um, and, and developers are, and property owners are, to think that you can build at that sort of density, or those sort of densities, three, four, five, six, seven storey eight buildings, when you've never done it before. You need, to, you need there's a bit of design now and expertise, and, um, and that's really required, and I think we're seeing that. The quality development in Auckland at those higher densities that's respectful of, of its neighbours um, and of the streets and parks around it tends to be designed by people who know how to design. And that's not saying all designers know how to design because as Pamela would know well there are some architects and designers who've got a long, long way to go to get there as well and may probably never get there. But anyway, that's just a planner's perspective on on Auckland, uh, and yes, yeah, some of the challenges in that, that, your question really is, how do you retrofit, how do you get those higher densities and get them happening well, so. Brilliant, kia ora, thanks John. Ora. And, and so Pam, it's, it's not just an issue of, of more density and more homes, but it's also an issue of access to housing. So it, could you talk us through some of the alternative ownership models we should be exploring as a way to address housing supply and, and affordability, some of your thoughts on, on that? Sure. But first of all, I'd be a little bit greedy and add on to John's oh, piece about um, retrofitting. 
Look, one other idea, of course, is that um, grassroots industry, and this is a little competition that Prefab NZ did called the SNUG, which is a much nicer word than accessory dwelling unit, or ADU, which sounds like some terrible disease you don't want to contract. But um, the idea is that, of course, council has got a wonderful role in leadership in setting out um, planning rules, but there's also a role that industry and all of us can play, which is to enable gentle density in our own backyards, where it's appropriate, where it fits in, and that's also a way to remove half the cost, the land cost, by enabling us to provide housing for our children. Um, a souped up granny flat, if you will. Um, a way to house our future young professionals, a way to house our intergenerational living, our parents, um, and also a way to enable affordable rental. If we look at states like California, a number of them are putting through rules to enable and open up permitting for these secondary housing units, but um, and, and putting on a rent ceiling so that the houses go back into the market as affordable rental units. Um, and then enabling this through financial incentives, removing some of the development contributions in return for the housing, then going into that kind of social housing or rental pool. But the real little, question little plug you asked <laughs> yes. the real question you asked was about um, questioning our access to housing. Look, I'm really interested in why we keep having this monologue about owning a house. I mean, surely we have to enable more solutions to our young people other mm. than just a single family um, single relationship with a single bank for 30 years or worse intergenerationally, which is something we're seeing in Australia. Sorry, that was way too big of a word to get out, wasn't it? But um, we don't want to see mortgages that we hand down to our children. We want to be handing down a better world to them. So why do we all have to own our own homes? I don't have all the answers, but we do need to question it. We need to look at co-ownership. We need to look at um, intergenerational ownership. We need to look at how a house functions um, beyond just purely keeping out the wind and the rain. It's a social unit where so much more happens than just um, breathing and eating and sleeping. So we'd really need to look at our access to homes rather than owning a house. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks a lot. So in, in Pia, this is an opportunity to tell people about the work you're doing with Rangatahi, as Rangatahi. Talk us through what you're doing and how that's benefiting Tamaki Makaura. Um, so some of the mahi that Pia and I do is we take zero waste initiatives or we take parakore to rangatahi across Tamaki Makoto and we try to activate their consciousness around climate change and zero waste. Um, so what we have been doing is we go to kura, we go to youth groups, we go to um, platforms like this, we go to social media and marae of course um, and we try to reactivate our Māori and Pacific peoples into the indigenous knowledge that we have but we need to remember for a zero waste future. Um, if that's um, a little confusing, it's just what P and I do is we try to show that our rangatahi mixed, our rangatahi perspective mixed with our indigenous mātauranga can educate that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Kia ora. Um, yes, so... Um, so on the 30th of April, um, we held a conscious climate conversation 
Manarangatahi um, Summit. We brought together over 110 rangatahi to basically start these conversations about um, climate change through a te ao Māori perspective and through um, our ancient knowledge and through whakapapa and pepeha and um, connecting our rangatahi to te taio, so the natural world, and um, focusing on the connection that we have to the world opposed to what we are losing um, and f as rangatahi for rangatahi. So um, our perspective is really, really important because obviously we're the ones that will be inheriting this planet. Mm. Um, so getting a, a Māori and Pacific voice out there and being heard, um, that was what the, the summit was pretty much um, for and, and to kind of bring awareness to climate change through a different perspective, I guess. Yeah. So we try to promote our kaupapa and we have um, been able to promote it to 2,000 rangatahi across Tamaki Makoto and just trying to get them to be the ones to save the world for their future and the generations following after. It was, yeah, definitely that. Brilliant. I've seen examples of your work and I just see that um, people are inspired to action and it comes across really powerfully. The people that you're, uh, that you're impacting on are future employees, are future voters and are future um, participants in our society. So it's just, it's, it's really tremendous work. Thank you. Um, now Penny, so everybody agrees that Auckland needs more housing, but not everybody wants it in their neighbourhood. How do we overcome, some people nodding and chuckling, um, how do we overcome this issue of nimbyism in Auckland and what role can the council play as a leader in this space? Yeah, wow, gosh, anyone who's got that answer, please put your hands up now. I, I, this is one of the things that gets in the way and I, I probably, you know, deferring to our rangatahi to my right, part of it is holding in our minds that this is who Auckland is for. And I'll be, I'll be provocative because I think we can sit and chat and be nice to each other. But I'll put this out there and I'm happy not to get a Kane Williamson for it. I'm, I've just turned 60. I own my own house and I've had a fantastic life. You know, thank you. Thank you, ratepayers. Um, but there is something that says to me, do we need to throttle back on the listening to people over 60? You know, where are we going to start? listening to our young people who are coming just ahead of us. And I think the nimbyism, we need to jump over that. I won't go quite as far as saying perhaps all submissions on climate change and on unitary plan changes should be limited to people under 60, which would take me out of the, 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 um, the submission process. It's anti-democratic and I'll never do that. But I think there is a point where we need to say, thank you, heard that, now it's time for our young people who are inheriting all the problems that we've left. Kia ora, good challenge, I like it. Um, I think you were saying... Uh, I'll be uh, leaving uh, via the back door so that none <laughs> of my peers can throttle me on That's the way right. out. That's, quickly, um, maybe you'll be faster than many of them, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's a bad joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I apologise. I apologise. I'll leave with you. Um, so, so guys, we've also got a, it's a really big day today because we're launching the Auckland Climate Action Framework, ACAF, rolls off really easily, ACAF. Uh, and so really interested uh, from you in terms of what's your vision for Auckland 2050 um, and, and what role does density play in that? How, how can that help deliver on what we want to see from a sustainable,
quality Auckland city. So John, I will, I will let you start. Um, right. So I think, Andrew, when you, when you kicked off, you, you did hit a lot of the key points, a lot of the things that have a lot of scientific rigour behind them around the benefits of more compact cities, where you can walk as opposed to driving everywhere, where um, public transport is far more viable, and therefore emissions are far less. I mean, it's, the evidence is all there, so I think you hit a lot of those key points. So I guess that will be the future for Auckland, and you know, we are, if we get it right, heading in that direction where we are a more compact, more sustainable city, where it is easier to walk and catch public transport. And I mean, it's, it sounds a bit like a broken record here to me because we've been, many of us, giving this message for such a long time, but it's, it just resonates so, so true. And um, yeah, that would be, that, that's where we need to head. I think that's the, the future, really. Yeah. Any, any additions to that yeah, or disagreements? Um, I would just add that from my perspective, my personal perspective, it's a two-pronged approach. One prong is listening to the experts um, in this case, the urban design experts weighing in very heavily around master planning, around transport planning, which always has to happen before you, you housing. The, the planners, yeah? And the, and the planning <laughs> and the experts. Planners. Yes, and the architects, John. Um, and the second perspective, I suggest. Well, welcome to the room, architects. Um, and the second perspective, I'd say, is on the human perspective. And this is one that um, Penny and I spoke about um, at, earlier on this evening, which is and I'm going to sound super wishy-washy here, but um, we have to figure out a way to be nice to each other where we put other people ahead of our own. This is in the way we vote, this is in the way we act with each other in every day, in every interaction. We have to think about something other than our own backyards. We simply have to. Great. E excellent. That might be a good segue into the next question for you, Penny and Waiata and Pia. So, hey, it was a climate emergency was declared, and I was in the room. It's really special. We could hear people chanting in the streets. You guys had really inspired people earlier, and so there's real momentum, and we've done it, right? So, so what does it mean, and what needs to happen immediately to, to support that call to make it, make it real? So the declaration of a climate change emergency, I think, you know, quite rightly, was met with a little bit of cynicism, a little bit of eye-rolling, a little bit of scepticism, because, you know, what, what changed from this week to, you know, a month ago? The answer is not a lot. But what it does, it just adds a bit of impetus to the work that we're trying to do politically. And I just want to pay tribute to John Morrow, the sustainability team, Alex, Sarah, Perrin, who have worked tirelessly over the last few years on um, the Climate Change Action Plan slash framework. We do a lot of politics, we do a lot of talking. The declaration of an emergency now, I think, will add a little bit of strength to, to some of the decisions we make. And hopefully, we will run every single decision we make as a council through that, that framework before we decide to do some really stupid things, like continue to spread all the way down to Hamilton, to continue to make decisions that require people to simply be car-based, or to make decisions that, that lock people into um, behaviour that doesn't allow the, the city to be decarbonised. So, you know, emergency, will it change things for now? Absolutely not. Will it change things for the future? Absolutely it will. Brilliant. Thank you. 
And Pia and Wayata, just before you start, I'll just encourage um, the other panellists to start looking at the board there because we'll, we'll now cross after this to questions from the audience. Some will be slider and some will be, be hands. But Pia and Wayata, did you want to add to what the councillor said? Uh, yeah, so um, when the climate crisis was called, honestly, I didn't really know what was going to happen. I was hopeful that something was going to come out of this. Um, and I was, uh, I just, I didn't know if there was actually some action that was going to come out of it. Um, but I think calling it as an emergency because that is really what climate change is now um, is really necessary because when we have an emergency in our everyday lives, we call the police or we call the ambulance, you know, we call 111. We get directed to an operator. They ask us questions about what's happening, you know, who's in the situation, um, what's going on, and some help will come, some help will arrive eventually. Um, if no help is given, it's basically classified as neglect. So I think it's a massive push for Auckland Council to do something and actually treat this as an emergency. Brilliant. Okay, great. Just make a quick little, yeah. um, just to add to that, and I think Pierre summed it up beautifully, but this isn't just Auckland Council. Mm. This is Auckland Council acting as a bit of a, a facilitator for what Auckland, and that's all of you, our businesses, our organisations, and our extended whānau throughout the whole of Auckland. What is everybody going to do to deal with this emergency around? Mm. Yeah, here, here. Uh, and we, we are seeing some real leadership from some businesses. So, for instance, the Climate Leaders Coalition. Uh, if you haven't looked at that, that's a hundred of New Zealand's largest companies in New Zealand setting a trajectory to dramatically reduce their greenhouse gas emissions down to equivalent to 1.5 degree threshold. So we are seeing some of that, and, and indeed we need more of it from everybody and, and businesses. Okay, so what I'm going to do now is um, I'm going to look at some questions from Slido, ask the panel, and then I'll come to some raised hands, okay? So I'll start with um, the top question there, 12 votes. Uh, John, I'll go to you. A holistic approach is needed to provide amenities, for example, schools for dense living. What is Auckland Council doing to coordinate with ministries, I guess central government, to build these facilities? Um, good question. <laughs> Um, so, for some of the, the large redevelopment, regeneration areas that the, the Crown is looking at, the government's looking at, we are in their boots and all with organisations like HLC, who started in Hobsonville and are now morphing into that some nation. other entity, uh, Urban Design Group. Kayanga Aura. Development Group, Kayanga Aura. So, a lot of council staff uh, are supporting the staff within Ministry of Housing and Urban Development and other ministries um, on those projects where it does need a cross-government, cross-council approach to look at things like schools and um, there, there's definitely a lot of work happening in that space um, and within, I mean, the provision of amenities isn't just a, a Crown uh, government responsibility, we've got our own recreation facilities and parks and so on, so the, the planners in, in council work very closely with um, those involved in planning for uh, community facilities and so on. So there's a lot of work happening there. Yep, it's, it's critical and that relationship with the government, with the amount of redevelopment that's happening of the Housing New Zealand, housing in Auckland is, is key and yep, it is happening and I, yeah. So planners, planners are quite key, John. Did I mention planners? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well thank you. Um, Ed, did anyone else want to add to that? Can I just um, acknowledge, you know, we've got 
a wonderful person called Jane Lovell Gadd, who's in the room, and my colleague, Councillor Linda Cooper. We, as part of Old Waitakere, um, were the key players in the development of the Hobsonville development, which I think is density done really well. Mm -hmm. In other words, good housing choice with good facilities. It took, you know, we started about 18 years ago um, working with Ministry, Ministry of Education to get the schools in there. So the schools were there mm -hmm. as the houses arrived. Mm -hmm. This is really mm -hmm. hard work and I think it has been a bit chaotic, mm -hmm. but we are certainly doing that work again and thanks to our planners for that. <laughs> And also small businesses, uh, transport out there, you know, like it's quite, it was quite well thought through the additional elements, I think. Can I just add in also, mm. um, it would be great to see the retirement village community um, providers brought into that conversation because there's nothing more successful than when you see, you know, primary and um, education facilities co-located mm. near retirement village where you can get that um, blend of yeah, age groups and activity and observation and, um, you know, it'd be great to see those types of providers, commercial providers, non-profit providers, brought into that conversation as well. Great, thank you. Round of applause there. Okay, so we don't have someone from Auckland Transport here, but we will look to the panel for some comment on this. It's got, it has got 22 votes. So our population is increasing, road space isn't. What will it take for our roads to be used for moving people and freight and not just for parking cars? or not for parking cars? Oh, public transport? Free public transport? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I like it, a very short, clear answer. That was, that was brilliant. Okay, well, I'm just gonna cross to, to you now. If you could raise your hand, um, the microphone will come to you. Yes, so we'll, if, uh, if you're comfortable, it does help if you tell people who you are, but don't feel you have to, kia ora. Uh, kia ora koutou. Um, my name is Boopsie. I actually present regularly to planning. So um, I have a question. If density is a dirty word, I don't think it's a dirty word, um, but it's how not to make it a bad word. And I think to make it a good word, you need to think about our built environments already. So of the existing facilities we have, community groups, community spaces, community centers, um, when we have one local initiative and pretty much across the entire city, it's community spaces that everyone's picking, pools and stuff like that, where in the policy and where in the planning is it written to prioritize shared public spaces? While we worry about housing all the time, I don't think we consider enough the shared public space. And it's for the whole panel because the earth is our public space, the planet. So how can we put in policy a priority for this? Um, does that make sense? Yes, it does. Thank you. Thanks for the question. Um, John, would you like to touch on that? first and then there's some negotiation We're going on. There's a negotiation happening. We might both have a go at it. So I'm now going to redeem myself in the eyes of my peers, i.e. the 60 plus. Some of the best examples of town planning that was done probably happened, you know, at the turn of the century or just after. We do understand why, um, oh gosh, turn of which century? I'm saying like maybe 50, 60 years ago. Some of the best public spaces are our old public spaces that people understand that work well and that we know how to use. We need to recreate those places by becoming more, more dense and going up a bit. We can use some of those to free up spaces where we have those 
opportunities, as Pam was talking about before, those incidental bumping into each other places. You know, you're all popping down to the cafe or you're going to the laundromat or, you know, you're, you're taking your, your dog to the park or you're taking your grandkids for a walk. It's those small, intimate public spaces that are the critical ones that make up with the fact that you don't have a back garden. And I think we can do better in planning for those. It is in the unitary plan to make sure that we protect and develop those places. But at the moment, I think we've got a long way to go to match some of the fantastic work that was done previously. Brilliant. Thank you. Good summary. Um, John, are you happy with that? I'm very happy with that. What do you give that out of, is, out of 10? Is That's that a, pretty... No, no, we'll do that later. Okay. Just hang on. Hold, you're getting too, you're getting too keen. Two has taught me to say that. Yeah, you're too keen, John. Okay, um, that will be revealed. It's a really good question. Um, now I'm going to go to the Slido again. And this is a great question from someone who I think um, I really respect. For Rangatahi ki para kore, so um, you guys, uh, what do you think about the reality of our generation living in high density apartments, I guess all terraced houses, uh, which we probably can't afford to live in? Um, I think the only way to make density sexy for rangatahi or for, um, for youth is to be represented in the buildings that uh, we will see and that are surrounded in our city, that we are surrounded by in the city. Um, I think free public transport to the accessible jobs for Māori and Pacific rangatahi. Um, I think jobs that, sorry, not jobs, I think that um, having support to support our rangatahi to find um, their passion opposed to just finding a job and living in a job um, I think that's how we make density more sexy. Mm. Well, did you want to? Yeah, and uh, just with you know the reality of future generations living in high density apartments, especially if that is what well, it is the way that we are going towards, then it is important to, especially if um, we are the culture of Tamaki Makoto, we want to see ourselves in that um, in that future. So having Māori designs, having, mm. Um, mm. you know, having spaces where Māori architects or Māori um, designs are living and breathing and there is, there is, a, there is mm. a meaning to those places, you know, that's a, that's the holistic approach that, mm. um, that Māori um, designers can bring on that we can connect to and mm. see ourselves in that, um, yeah. especially if we are going to be living in high-density apartments. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So a built environment that reflects the community. Mm. That's really key. And yep. I also don't think it's realistic to have um, rangatahi in high density areas anyway. Um, as rangatahi, we need space. We need green. We need um, moana. We need you know, we need room to to mm. be rangatahi. So um, mm. yeah, I think it's it's probably not affordable at this point. Um, so if we can try and change that, I think that would be. And I think we need to talk about choices too. Uh, I mean, a high density apartment is just one typology, and mm. that's not necessarily suited um, to us. But it's good to think about other typologies, um, like you see, for example, in Vancouver, these kind of super houses. It just basically looks like a detached house, only it's kind of super sized, and it's actually got like four or six apartments inside it. So, for all intents and purposes, it's got that domestic look, the pitched roof, but you've got intergenerational living if you want. Um, and it can be affordable through different kind of mechanisms. Um, one of the ones I just saw recently out of California, it's called Point, point.com. Um, you can basically sell a proportion of your house or your home back to this, uh, 
platform and then they own a percentage of the appreciation going forward. So we need to think about some of these other types of financial mechanisms so that it's not about owning the whole house mm. or the whole home. You know, yeah. there's got to be another way to do it. Brilliant. Yeah, and I will just reflect on something to touch here uh, on a point Waiata made. Um, so Panuku Development Auckland done some great work on encouraging and, and respecting Tiaranga design. Um, that's been picked up by Homestar, the standard for healthier homes. So homes that are built with Māori design are, are rewarded in that, in that system, and I think that's a positive positive development. Okay, so um, a show of hands from the audience. Yes, the quickest was the third row from the back on the right in the blue jersey. So we've just got a microphone coming to you. Hello, I'm uh, John Potter. Um, and I think probably most, most Aucklanders still live in a section, either a half section or a full section with a bit of grass and a tree in their, in their backyard, which we all regard as good at the moment. But as time goes on, and we're thinking now 20 years, 30 years, my grandchildren, when they're 50, in their 50 years' time, or maybe their children or grandchildren in 100 years' time, are not going to be living like that. They're going to be living in dense housing situations, particularly in the town centres. So first, the first question is, do you think pocket parks are a good idea? In other words, just, just a section of grass and maybe the odd tree. And secondly, if the panel does think it's a good idea, why is the council, seeing this is running, run by the council, why is the council, through its development arm, trying to sell off any pocket parks they can to get money for the council? My, I'd have thought that it's ideal, it doesn't cost them anything, to leave these as pocket parks for 20, 30, 40 years hence, so that they'll be able to be used by the community um, to let the grass grow under their feet and their trees to be climbed. Mm. Great, thank you. I think that feels like one that I should field. And it does, I, you know, we are getting quite a lot of um, people grumpy with us for the properties that we are selling. And I think at times it does look as if we've got a bit of a wholesale um, sell up happening out in Auckland but what we're trying to do is to say in some areas they're lucky enough to have pocket parks let's make sure that we keep those but some areas have nothing and there are some areas in in Auckland who didn't invest in pocket parks and in open spaces and we do have to redress that that inequitable balance we don't sell pocket parks in areas that don't have enough parks and we will certainly make sure that as we densify that there are places that people can walk to that are small pocket parks. I think what we've, where we've got it wrong as a council is we haven't explained that well enough and we haven't given people the confidence that we've got our eyes on that clearly and that ideally as areas become more dense we will provide open space and enough open space for people to you know, get out and get the grass under their feet. Great, a great answer. Thank you, Penny. So, um, so I'll just ask for the microphone down the front here. Just coming. I've already got it. Oh, you've already got the mic. Uh, okay, okay, we'll go to the back and then we'll come to you. Sorry about that. Yep. Hi, Andrew. Um, Hi. Kia ora, mate. Kia ora. My name's Mark Graham. I publish uh, magazines in the building and architectural field. Everybody I speak to is very happy with increased density in the city, 
but one of the concerns that everybody voices to me is the need for decent design. And I'm really tired of seeing crappy infill housing and poorly constructed uh, um, medium density dwellings with crappy materials that are not going to last very well. How can we ensure that what we build is going to be good and is going to last and it's not going to turn into the slums that we don't want? Mm. Those are all very topical points and there's a huge amount of um, dialogue in the construction industry about the quality of our construction, our um, building materials and products and methods. Uh, you'll be aware that uh, Minister Salisa um, announced a building legislative reform consultation period recently and those submissions are being um, put together by MB as we speak. And one of the solutions put forward is the idea of um, a national material and product database. Um, as a way to um, have predetermined um, information and compliance on hand so that our wonderful building consent authorities and the building consent officers can process with clear and transparent information. Let's just say that this is a, a work in progress and as far as I'm aware it's one of the highest priorities of both MB and Minister Salisa's team. Um, I can't really answer this um, like in a big scale, but um, I just want to say that I, th I, th I think going forward, if we're going to build any more high density buildings, we need to focus on having locally sourced resources and um, and stop stopping getting our resources from overseas and um, investing in overseas suppliers. I think if we're going to go forward, it has to be sustainable, eco-friendly, um, locally grown resources. Great. Yeah. Any? Um, Thanks, Andrew. Kia ora, Pia. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, Mark, I think, yeah, in addition to building code and building quality, I think part of your question may have been, well, I'd be remiss in saying that you've got to have good planning rules. <laughs> and we've got some pretty good rules in, in our plan in Auckland, but they're on, and you've got to review those rules, and we are reviewing them. So I've mentioned that before. And I've mentioned the need to, uh, you know, once you're getting into those three, four, five-storey developments, and even some of the multi-unit lower-rise stuff, got to have good designers on it and we've got to get our design profession sort of understanding and learning and, and making creating better designs um, within council so just a bit of a plug for council we have an, a team of urban designers um, and we have an urban design panel and so plea to developers is come in early and talk and get some of that advice good advice that we've got within council either from our design staff or for the bigger developments our urban design panel so we've got that panel, most developers know it. Use, it, use it early, and even beyond that, before you write the cheque and buy the site and commit yourself to that sort of investment, come and talk and figure out what might be possible, and we really need to move in that direction of getting developers to get options on land before they commit, because that's often where it comes unstuck. They've paid far too much, we now have a unitary plan that doesn't have density restrictions in it. So. You know, they used to be able, developers used to be able to say, well, that's a 20-unit site. There's no way the council can say no to that, so that's the value of it. They're probably still paying that sort of value or more, but potentially it's not the right site to get that sort of density. So you get into a confrontation with council over design, and no one's the winner in that situation. So some points there. There's some le learning to go on. I'm going I'm to move um, to the question from the gentleman at the front here. He's been waiting a while. 
do. Oh, and just before he speaks, sorry, just to remind you, sorry, that um, do use Slido to answer the question we'd like your feedback on. So you can put questions, but also interact with the question we've asked of you. But, sir. Uh, I'm Bill Rayner. I'm the uh, chairman for Grey Power in Auckland, and I take it, uh, have been working with Penny across the last sort of, I suppose it's almost 10 years now with the Auckland planning. And the difficulty that the senior people have is that we had probably the world's most livable city before we started. And it's with the population growth, it's, um, it's uh, created stresses and strains. And I think the real issue that we do have right now is that we were talking about the cities of Europe and Vancouver and Pittsburgh. Those are cities, particularly the European ones, that developed over a thousand years. Whereas we had the situation in Auckland, uh, which I think the council dealt with reasonably well in the circumstances, we had three years to do this planning exercise and put it in place. And I have huge admiration for Penny who led that process. It could have been a complete disaster. It's yeah. not good now, but uh, we stuck have a, with Do it. you have a question? Yes, my question has sort of been touched on a little. The senior community now extremely concerned about the two issues that have been touched on to a certain extent. We've heard about the need for open space, but there's so much pressure on our existing open space been yep. taken away for development in various shapes and forms. Yes. And then second one is the shonky building issue. And I'd just like to ask John and Penny, particularly with the open space, just how we're going to provide that green space in a highly dense city. In a place like London, you couldn't touch a park that's been there for a hundred years. Whereas here we tend to be slicing them off and cutting them in half. And it's just what is the plan for creating that inner city green open space. Right, kia ora, thank you. So just quickly, there's a couple of things. So first of all, just as far as the wider issue goes, and this is part of our, our climate change plan, is we've got our urban ngahiri strategy, which is our urban tree planting strategy. So, you know, bringing the green lungs back into the city. We are, and I think, again, it goes back to what I said earlier, I think we've got a little bit of misunderstanding of, of what Council's doing. We aren't slicing off and developing heaps of our parks. You know, I know Chamberlain Park is a really difficult and divisive issue, and I'm sure there are people on both sides of the debate, but some of this is re reforming and reusing our parks in a different way and also looking at buying green space where there is a lack of green space and some of it there does need to be a bit of a trade you know I don't think everyone out there is happy if we were to put the rates up 10% so we just need to keep the the account ticking over every time we ask for something new someone pays and actually you pay so if in some areas where there's a huge amount of open space every now and again we will sell a bit to go in and buy open space where there's a lack of. Can I I'm throw gonna, something in there? I'm going to stop you there, Pam. Oh, accountability. Can yeah, I sorry for that. Council? Um, yeah, I'm going um, to. All of us. <laughs> um, hey, I just wanted to uh, say thanks a lot for the um, for all of the the interaction and just just note some things which I think are pretty key that touch on some of the the questions here and some of the feeling from the the audience. And that is um, some people, such as uh, HLC, have done some great work looking at density. So uh, about five years ago, they built terraced homes which were far smaller than the average Auckland home. And everybody said to them, nobody's going to want them. They had a, a significant survey and they had hundreds and hundreds of people through and they found a huge response showing that when uh, those homes are built to quality, 
good air quality, good daylight, those sorts of things that people were receptive to it. I just think it's really good to reflect on the fact that you can do this well and that density can work and people respond to that. Uh, there's been a few questions around uh, quality. I think um, one thing that the council's done really well is delivering that through um, Homestar, through their Panuku uh, development organisation to lead to insulation, air quality and, and those sorts of things. Um, it's, it's shameful our building code in New Zealand that's been shown repeatedly from international research. So they are, they are leading on that. Now I was going to stop because um, we actually want to ask you some questions. So it's our time to, to, to put some questions to you. And I wanted to demonstrate how we're going to get some feedback from you on this. And it plays into some, a recent sporting event. So um, we all know that when a boundary happens, I don't really want to talk about boundaries right now, but when a batter does really well, like uh, Mr. Williamson, so that he hits a six. Right, now if he hits a six, that's a great thing, and the audience erupts, and they put up signs showing a six, right? So I'm going to demonstrate a question um, to the panel here. If they could grab the uh, materials. I'll help you, Kenny. So I'm going to ask the panel a question, and they're going to demonstrate an answer. So a six is a positive response, because the batter has hit a six. An out, obviously, is not that positive. Do we get it? Okay, great. So I'm going to ask, um, so pa panel, what did you think of the, uh, the audience um, today so far? Six, a nine, awesome, that's great, that's great. So obviously you're a very strong audience. Now I'd ask you to check under your seats because I'm gonna ask you some questions. So just have a look under your seat. I wanna get your response to some questions. Okay, has everybody got some of that? So a six, is a six a good response? Okay, great. So what do, you, what do you guys think? Are we, are we doing enough to increase density in Auckland? Hold up your panels. Look at that, wow. A few sixes over here. Okay, great, thank you. A few sixes here, thanks a lot. Are we doing density well? Great. Are we doing density well is the, out, is the question. So a few outs, a few sixes here, third row back, that's useful. Okay, so now moving on to the Auckland Climate Action Framework. I feel like I'm at the cricket, although that's quite hard. <laughs> um, science says we need to cut carbon emissions by 50% by 2030. Do we need Auckland uh, to move to that target and cut their emissions by 50% by 2030? Let's have a look. Okay, so lots more sixes. Okay, there's a few nines out there. Um, I, I want to ask about Matt's competence at the moment. Okay, um, so just last two questions. Um, do you really think, if a number of people have said this obviously, I couldn't comment, but do you think Kane Williamson should run for Prime Minister? Uh, sixes. Uh, and perhaps more importantly, should Kane Williamson run for Mayor? <laughs> okay. Hey, um, thanks so much for your feedback. Just, just 
to help um, inform the polling around the Auckland Climate Action Framework, that was a resounding row of, I'd say, 95% sixes uh, and 5% nines um, in response to that question. So that's, that's pretty special. Um, we, if anyone wants help with their mathematics, we've got some tutors at the door on the way up. Hey, um, first of all, don't you think the panel were great? Gave out their time. We, some people still holding up their sixes, which is great. We do have world-leading people in, in the Auckland Council and councillors, and I think they're working really hard to improve our city, and I'm really proud of everything they're doing to deliver on that. Um, and so I want to say thank you to the panel, and that, that brings me to a really uh, special moment to say um, to, for the vote of thanks. So when I came on board about two and a half years ago, my predecessor went through a whole stack of business cards. She went, you don't need to meet him, you don't need to meet her, you don't need to meet him. And she pulled out this card and said, there's this guy, John Murrell, right? He's a good guy. And um, he's really doing a lot for Auckland. You really need to catch up with him and keep close to him because him and his team uh, are doing some really good stuff for quality of life and, and delivering for Auckland. So I'm really delighted to welcome John Morrow, Chief Sustainability Officer for Auckland Council, to give our vote of thanks. Kia ora. Kia ora ko John Moro Takongoa, ko Takotoronga, hey Chief Sustainability Officer, aho. And I've never done a vote of thanks, so this is really fun. Um, can we cane Williamson Andrew, please? Um, so much so, he actually did the vote of thanks himself. So I don't know if there's actually much work that I need to do here, but I will just say a few words. Um, I guess the simplest way to say a vote of thanks is to say, uh, please vote and thanks. Um, and so vote on this plan uh, or the, this framework. Actually have your say. Uh, it launches today and we really need to hear it from you. Um, we need you to tell other people about it. Um, so vote on that. And we actually have an election coming up and democracy is fundamental to how we win on climate change and how we win on density done well. So really take that seriously. Um, I, I forgot my copy of the framework. Imagine the most beautiful looking framework. Oh, or Andrew. Look at that. Um, so for those of you who came right in quickly for the drinks or for the camaraderie, you might have missed the booth that people were standing in front of saying, look, we're launching this thing today. Um, and this is a first take. This is a, we've done this over 18 months with iwi, with central government, with businesses, with community groups, um, with rangatahi, with many of those in this room. And this is where we got to after 18 months of doing something quite differently. Usually this is when we start and we say, okay, have your say, we've done this thing in a big bunker. What do you think? We've actually worked quite extensively across thousands of people and organizations to put this together. So it's robust, it's been modeled, our C40 City colleagues have looked at it. Um, but of course we're not there yet, because some of you probably haven't seen this, and you need to. So please have your say, it's very easy, um, and join us actually in implementation. Actually, I think that's the most important thing, is how are we gonna get this done? Um, so let me just reflect a little bit about what I heard here today. Um, and there's a real connection to the key moves and yes, they actually might be dance moves, um, the 11 key moves in the climate action framework. Um, so I guess first we heard from Otani, and as he does every time, he really nails it. It's a high energy day, so here we are, high energy. Um, and what he said was, whenever winds blow our way, tomorrow's going to be a glorious day. This is dark stuff. 
you know, um, I think the great power person said really well, you know, this was the world's most livable city when we kind of got here, um, and look what we've done to it. Um, you know, we need to keep optimism in mind. From my perspective, it's dark, it's real, we know what climate change is going to look like for Auckland over the next hundred years. It's not super pretty if we just sit back and let it happen to us. But it could be great, it could be amazing, it could be healthy and equitable and clean and wonderful if we actually kind of put some elbow grease into it. So I think Oteni's start is, is really perfect. We can have a glorious day if we actually work our way there. Um, Andrew, yes, this is the best Auckland conversation, so thank you for that. Um, and then, you know, words in the conversation around density, um, you know, community, people, connection. I mean, these are the things that innately, I believe, humans want. It's why I can cane Williamson you for being here tonight, is that we want to connect as people with ideas with each other. Um, that's kind of what it's about. Dare I say, that's part of what life is about. So I think those themes came through loud and clear. We need to take those themes and that cordero and actually instill that into the places we care about and into the fabric of Auckland. Um, I heard, are we going in the right direction? Um, yep, or, or I actually I heard, we're going in the right direction, which is comforting. Um, I'd say, could we go faster? Can we dig deep? Can we actually double down on our efforts because we need to be quite a bit bolder? Um, I've heard about, um, from Pamela, these aren't new concepts. It's always healthy to remember we're not trying to reinvent how to do really complicated stuff, except for maths, I guess. Um, and that, that was a home run. Is that the appropriate analogy? That was a real home run. The American in me says, you, know, you hit it out of the park on that one, Andrew. Um, so these aren't new concepts. We just need to apply this locally to what we're doing here in Auckland. And that's tricky, but we're not inventing something from brand new. I think it's a really important um, point from, from Pam. Um, uh, I heard quite rightly from Waiata and from Pia, you know, this is about friends and it's the, um, the connections and the backyard and the people who will take care of you when you fall down that matter. Um, that's that's uh, right to the core. Um, I heard from um, John about retooling the rules, kind of post-unitary plan. That was a big deal. It's a big deal for any city. Um, but it, we're not done yet. Just like climate change, we've done a bunch of things. We're not there yet. We need to keep getting great um, and actually dial it down. Um, I heard a little bit about um, reactivation from Waiata and, and Pia, um, and, and I just love the, the feeling about reactivating to restoring, not just doing things a little bit less bad, but actually really um, doing things well. Um, I heard from, uh, from uh, Councillor Hall said, you know, should I even be heard at over 60? That's a gutsy thing to say in front of a crowd that includes some over 60 folks. Um, I've got 17 years, or actually not quite, to get there, so I'm still relevant. But I think it's really important, <laughs> or <laughs> I guess you be the judge, have your say. Um, I think it's really important to think, you know, who are we hearing from? I'm, I'm out, thank you. Who are we hearing from? Who is representing the decisions that they get to make um, in really difficult seats? And is everybody represented? Is, are we representing people who don't actually have their say very often? Um, we as council need to get better at that. We as a community need to help all of us get better at that. That was a really important point. Um, we talked about the climate emergency, what happens now. I think that's actually a really important point. Um, and boy, I've took so many notes and you're, you're thinking, uh, we, could, we could do it again. I'm doing it again. Um, so I'll just, I'll just sum up in um, a couple last points. Making density sexy, it's great to hear from Pia and about how to actually make it real and how to make it something that is not just not a dirty word, but something that's actually um, uh, exciting. Um, 
And as I turn my pages here, um, some great questions from the audience. I really want to cane Williamson you all for some great questions about pocket parks, about design, about the quality of built materials. Um, source locally, great point. Um, and actually some call, I think Pam helped us get there, to really call out what our role is as council, because we play a really big role here. Let's not undercook this. We actually hold a lot of the levers and we need to pull them harder, maybe even in a different direction. But there's like a limited slice of what we can do. And one of those things we can do collectively is say, well, actually this is, and I'm not trying to put it on central government here, but a lot of these things funding-wise and decision-wise, like our building code, really come down to central government. So how do we as a collective say, dear government, now's the right time. The zero carbon bill closed yesterday for submissions. Hopefully people had their say. Now's the right time to actually give them the signals to make the tough calls. Let's do that together. So I think, Yes, is it 88%? I think I have right in front of me that most of you are committed to the original question that we placed to you at the start. So that's great. Um, I think what I take from that is at least eight or nine out of 10 of you have decided you're in this, you're with us. And so we need to be gutsy. We need to be appropriately humble about how we repurpose stuff um, and compassionate with each other. But we really got to go for this one because we don't get a second chance to deal with things like how we shape our city and how we deal with climate change. That's why hopefully some of us are here today. We need you. Stick with us and have your say. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the podcast of Auckland Conversations, brought to you by Auckland Council and our sponsors Jib and Resine. For more information, visit our website, conversations.aucklandcouncil.govt.nz. Auckland Conversations is proudly produced by Tandem Studios.